Still going. That's okay. We have an awesome preacher this morning, Chris. And uh, he's going to bring the word this morning. I will hand this over. I love this. He preaches in bare feet. Don't you love it? Hallelujah. <laughs> Holy ground. Hey? Camel hair. Well, I've got like work pants and a faded shirt. So that's about as camel hair as you get these days, I think. So good. I, I totally agree with the whole tithing thing. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, when we first moved here from Kalgoorlie, like when we were in Kalgoorlie, we had big income. We moved here. We had much smaller income. Moved to King's home. We had like no income. And then now it's like it's back around here somewhere. But through it all, God is faithful. I remember when we moved and, and I was doing the budget and I'm like, honey, we cannot afford to tithe. And Melissa was like, well, I'm going to tithe my bit, what I get, and you can do whatever you want with yours. And I was like, not letting you outdo me? No way. But I remember it was super hard to find work in Tasmania. And um, in Kalgoorlie, people ask you, how much do you want? Like as a hydraulic fitter, that's what they ask you. Because so sought after. But in Tassie, no one cared. And um, one Sunday, you know, we're coming around and I was like, Lord, we're like scratching the barrel. And he said to me, he said, you've, you've got a $5 note in your wallet. <laughs> yeah, it was like a love heart folded up from one of my friends in high school. And I was like, all right, God, I'll give you that. And then the next day I had a job. Great. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? It's almost like when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will be added, you know. But in our culture, it is quite easy to seek first the other stuff, isn't it? Hallelujah. All right, turn with me to... Matthew, no, Luke, Luke 22, glory. And one of the the scripture that God sort of really highlighted to me was 22 verse 2. 29. It's pretty short. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me. How amazing is that? That blew my mind when I saw that. I bestow upon you a kingdom. Look at your person next to you and say, Jesus bestows upon you a kingdom. How's that feel? It's weighty, isn't it? It's responsibility. You know, I love it. Like, I heard this saying, and it's that kings defend a kingdom. Right? Like, like you've, you've got... What did Jesus say? You know, Gentiles and that seek after signs and wonders. But kings defend a kingdom. And I think when we have a solid understanding of the kingdom that Jesus has bestowed upon us, we live different. We view situations different. We don't, we don't just, you know, it's not just circumstances, but we, can, we understand that the kingdoms of the world were actually established through different wars that happened. And so is the kingdom of God. It is established through war. 
through spiritual warfare. You take ground for Jesus, don't you? Yeah, it's like a real thing. You're either taking it, you're holding it, or you're losing it. It's, it's one of those three. So anyway, I thought that was pretty special. And, um, and just real quick, I want to touch on Matthew 18, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. Bear with me. I found this. I was doing a Bible study with Zachary, and, and we do this thing where we just open up to the Bible. He picks one week. I pick the next week. We read a short amount of scripture we try and memorize it we quote it to each other and fail hardcore and then we read it again and we write down what we feel God could be speaking to us and then from there we come up with a challenge for each other to live out for that week amazing but Matthew 18 says something that's pretty dramatic and yes I'll whoop I'm gonna go out of the passion does anyone else have a Passion Translation here? Everyone reads the real Bible, the King James. Amen, amen. Zachary had a Passion, so we read it out of the Passion. All right, so I'll read it from verse 1 to 4. At that time, G- G- the disciples of Jesus came and asked, Who is to be considered the greatest in the heaven, heaven's kingdom realm? Do you know they asked that question heaps? If you actually read through, they asked it heaps. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? It's like a human nature thing. We love just, you know, establishing some sort of weird ladder. And Jesus called a little one. He saw this kid and called him to his side and said to him, Learn this well. Everyone say, learn it well. All right, so that means we're going to have to learn this well. Right? Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I've got to repeat that. Jesus says, learn this well. Now, it's like when Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, He's like, when he says, this is the truth, it means it's the truth. You know what I mean? When he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, it means like, this is the way it is. And when he says, learn this well, this is something for us to learn well, isn't it? Unless we dramatically change our way of thinking and become teachable. And learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child you'll never be able to enter in become teachable I don't know how you guys do it at like Oma and Opa's age and Bernie and Susie's like because I know even in my walk sometimes it's so easy to go I know that you know someone starts part of a verse and you can finish it like like we've read the book a couple of times you guys have probably read it like a whole years and years more times, right? I've been saved like nine. But it's so easy to, to not become teachable. It's so easy to not, to not perceive the kingdom with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, isn't it? You hear about these revivals that are going on in America and stuff and Kentucky where chicken was invented, right? And it's like, I don't know to you guys, but that's just glory upon glory to me. That's, that's amazing. But 
it's easy to look at that and, and hear these stories and go, yeah, yeah, that's good. Praise the Lord. You know? Yeah, so much more, you know? And I remember when, when I was first walking with the Lord and, and I wanted to see the miraculous. You know, I read in my Bible. I, I saw the disciples' lives. I saw how Jesus lived. And, and I remember reading it in my time with the Lord and I said, God, you are awesome in this book in this book you are amazing but i don't see you like that in my life and he said to me you have to live the life you have to live it and and so i started to pursue it i started praying for every person that i could if you limped if you looked like you were uncomfortable i was going to pray for you <laughs> right that was me it didn't take a, a spirit of discernment or anything it's just yep they don't look happy let's pray because we carry the kingdom. And, and the byproduct of that was I saw heaps of miracles. They're heaps. Because Jesus said, believers will lay hands, and this is what's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, but what happened after that, I, I ticked that box that I set out to achieve. Yeah, it's true, because I wanted to see miracles. I wanted to see the sick healed. I wanted to see it. And then I did. And then what happened? My passion died off for a bit. And I was like, God, what, this is weird. What's this? I could tell that something wasn't quite right. And he said, it's like when the Pharisees and that would stand on the street corners and pray and, and look all pretty to be seen by men. That's their reward. You know, you set out to see a miracle. You're going to see one. That's going to be your reward. But that won't sustain you. We have to catch the heart, don't we? And then so Jesus says, whoever continually humbles himself. Everyone say continually. continually. Ah! To become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. Wow. Blows my mind. Isn't that amazing? So our challenge like that me and Zach came up with was, was it didn't matter what someone said about about the word of God, about Jesus, about the gospel, we would try and receive it like a wide-eyed child. We would try and keep our heart to that position like it's the first time we've heard about it, with that awe, that wonder, you know? So good. Now that, that verse in, in Luke 22, we're going to read it with a bit of context. So starting from verse 24. This is so funny. And just for context, like if you ever feel that, that you just have weird, you know how like you have these desires and motives as people and sometimes they're not perfect and stuff. Jesus has just instituted the Lord's Supper. All right, this is like the upper room experience, right? He's just broke the bread. He just said, this is the cup. This is the body. Look at what happens next. Verse 22. Where is it? Luke 22, verse 24, sorry. So good. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Jesus just did communion. And they're like, which one of us do you think is really the greatest? This is not the first time they've had this argument. All right? So that was just my little like, whoop. All right. Which was going to be considered the greatest? And he said to them, I love Jesus. He's so good. He didn't tell them to knock it off. 
He just said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who, who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who's greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Isn't it the one who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Amazing. He says, But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And this is that opening verse. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The kingdom is given. The kingdom is sustained. The kingdom, you live in that place by what Jesus said the previous verse. He said, you are those who have continued with me in my trials. I'll say it another way. If we continue with Jesus in his trials, we receive the kingdom. Amen? Anyone here experienced a trial? Anyone here seen people flee from them? How much kingdom do they have in their life when that happens? Not much. It, 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 it gets shallow real quick. You know, it's like a whoop, straight shallow water. But if we, if we stay in that place of, of cross, carry your cross daily. If anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. Theirs is the kingdom. Daily. Now this is, when I was first looking at these scriptures and asking the Lord, what is it that you want me to talk about? I got that scripture, that 22:29. I, I give to you a kingdom, just as my father gave one to me. And I believe that it is, it's the Lord's desire that we would all live in that realm. Yeah, Because even in John 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus is saying, God, I know, I know that you're a great teacher, Lord, for no one can do the miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom. And he continues down this path and he says, no one has been to heaven except the Son of Man who came from heaven, who is in heaven. And in Ephesians, it says that we are seated with him, present tense, right now, in the Spirit, in heavenly places. Right? It says it multiple times throughout the New Testament. It says that if you've died with Christ, set your mind on things above, where Christ is, where your life truly is. And when Christ is made visible, so will you, your true nature. So God desires us to live in this kingdom. He desires us to, to, to so dominate the 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 places where we have a sphere of influence. And we do that by our love, we do that by our words, we do that by, by administering his spirit and his grace. But there's, there's a part of this that only comes and is magnified through trials. 
it only comes and is magnified where we go, God, man, if you're willing, please take this cup away from me. But not my will be done, Lord, yours be done. And so what, one of the encouragements that I felt, it's like a twofold thing. One is, let's not steer away from the trials of the Lord. Let's not steer back from the trimming, the pruning. You know, could you imagine Lyle tries to prune a tree and every time he goes to cut it, the, the branch goes, whoop. You're not doing it. You're not doing it. You know, and Lyle knows what's best for that tree. So does God. He knows what's best for us. So we have to lean in. And there might be people here today that are going through a trial. It's just a pretty good guess. You know, there's people here. So it's probably a trial. My encouragement is to lean in. Lean into it. Lean into it with the Lord. Bring it before him. God, how do you see this? Because his desire is that we would live in the kingdom in the middle of it. Jesus calmed the storms and then said to the disciples, where was your faith? Now either, where was your faith to trust me that what I said was going to happen, like you're going to make it to the other side because I, that's what I said you to, for you to do, or where was your faith to speak to it? Sometimes it's one or the other, sometimes it's both. Praise the Lord. You have continued with me in my trials. That's a powerful verse. Look at your neighbor and just say to them, continue, continue. That's why we meet together. So we stir one another up. We, we, you know, come on, you got this. Jesus is king. Hallelujah. Pray for one another. See things broken off. That's the goal of church. Amen? All right, I've got another one. There's another key to this kingdom thing. I love keys. I love it. In Revelations, God says, I'll give you keys. And he gives authority too, which means the Lord gives authority. He's the only one that can bring our place of influence in the world up. It's his doing. Amazing. So Philippians 2. Turn with me there. I've got all the scriptures on my phone. Like, that's, there's no notes, it's just scripture. But I bought this Bible up because I know if some people, if you don't bring a Bible up, you know. So anyway, you can come see my screen if you don't believe me. I'm preaching from the Word. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, and I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right. It says, who here has an Amplified Bible? Does anyone read out of it here? Only the King James. Hallelujah. <laughs> Look, I'm the same. I mainly read the King James. I've got a couple of other flavors, but yeah, it's true. All right. Anyway, I've got some extra words in mind, so it'll be okay. All right. Verse 5 says, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. All right? Same attitude, same purpose, and same humble mind which was in you be in you which was in Christ Jesus. It says in brackets, let him be your example in humility. That's good. That was worth reading the Amplified for that bit there. Let him be your example in humility. 
Now, did Jesus have any, any issues coming to the Father for a miracle? Not one. He needed his tax paid. And, and he didn't think that was too small of an issue to trust the Lord. Now, we think of it as humble not to come to God with our stuff, don't we? We're like, no, no, I won't bother the Lord with that. There's people in the world with much bigger problems. But Jesus didn't, didn't not bring the smallest issue to the Lord. He was hungry and he saw this fig tree. He was just hoping for his tree to bear fruit. And it didn't bear fruit, and so he spoke to it with the power of God. You know, every person in here, if you are born again, baptized in the Lord Jesus, and filled with the Holy Ghost, you have that ability to speak to stuff. And let me tell you something. It is not humble not to do it. All right? Because the Bible says, let him be your example of humility. We all need those bracelets. We need to bring them back. What would Jesus do? We need them. All right. Who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. But he stripped himself. Everyone say, he stripped himself. Of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like man and was born a human being. Isn't that amazing? That's the love of God. Like what Beck was saying, you know, how while we were against God, we were enemies to him, that's when he laid off his, de- his deity came to earth as a man, fell over, scun his knees, you know, pooed in a diaper and, and hung on a cross for us. And then check out what he did. After he appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further. And I feel like, you know, as Jesus said, you are those that have continued with me in my trials. Some of us have gone through some stuff already and we're about ready to call it, you know, like, Lord, I've had enough. I've borne my cross. I've carried this puppy. I've done what it is that you asked me to do and there's still things coming against me and we're about ready to throw it off. But look at what, look at what he did. After he appeared in human form, he humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme, which was death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, look at what happens as a byproduct of that crazy obedience to steward your heart well and to keep following the Lord. Look at what happens. Because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely Everyone say freely. Come on. He bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, that in and at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confesses and acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, there's fruit at the end of our obedience. 
And I heard this, this prophet guy when I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. He said, we ought to pray this prayer, and I really like it. Ask the Father to show you what is the fruit of your obedience. What's on the other side of it? You know, when Neville started going to India, right? I love talking to Neville. I, I really get a lot out of it. He says when he first went to India, there was no phones. Everything went haywire. And, and he, like, came back and was like, praise the Lord, we're not doing that again. <laughs> that was like 34 years ago or something now, I think. Ish. And this prophetic dude comes up and, and calls him out and says, You've said in your heart that you're not doing this again, but the Lord says you are. You know. And I'm sure that in prayer, God has had to have shown Neville what the fruit of his obedience is. For, to, what does it look like for the glory of God to cover the earth like the seas? What does it look like? And for every one of us here, God has not only a plan and a purpose, you're probably walking in it, you might not be, who knows, but it's worth repeating that prayer. God, what is the fruit of my obedience, right? When Inika and Bart come here on Thursdays, is it? It's still Thursday for the prayer? Not yet. Doing it differently. Amen. But doing it. Glory. What is the fruit of my obedience? What's the fruit of it? Because sometimes it feels like you come, you sit, and maybe no one comes. But God, you've got us doing this. What, what is it, Lord? What is it that you'd have us do here? What's the fruit of my obedience? And God will show you a picture. You know, it's only through people being, being available and obedient that people come to the Lord. It happens no other way. I've read through the New Testament and there was no miracle that happened without people praying first. I stand to be corrected and I love Bible studies. So if you, if you know of somewhere, please bring it to me. But from what I've looked at, I couldn't see a time where someone, some miracle, whether it was an angel that broke open the jail or something, where there wasn't a prayer meeting that was happening for that person. Because Paul says time and time again through his, through his epistles, my deliverance will come by your prayers. He believed it. I hope this is encouraging. I don't know, like just a, just a little, bit of, little bit of grit. Come on, Jesus is worthy. All right, let's go James 4, verse 1 to 10. And I'm very quickly running out of scriptures. Lord, we bless you. And I'm back in the proper Bible with this one. Who loves the book of James? It's such a good book. James and 1 John, they'll do it. Yep. All right, James 4. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Man, I wish that every person who had a bee in their bonnet would read this. I don't know if it's good Christian like manner to just point people to scriptures that set them straight, you know. Is it? Is it? I don't know. I'm still learning. Not always. No, it's not. I know, I know. <laughs> I've got so much I can learn from all of you. You have no idea. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? 
You lust and do not have. You murder and cover and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask, but you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulteresses and adulteresses, do you not know that your friendship with the world is enmity with God? Isn't that amazing? I love the message of the gospel of the kingdom, but the really it boils down to the fact that it's not about us. Whenever I, I if I get to baptize someone and walk with them for any journey, that is one thing that I sow in there real quick. Know that you're blessed. Know that you have all of heaven at your disposal and at your at your you know, like God wants to pour into you. But at the very core of it, know that you need to live a life that's not about you. We need to live for everyone else. We need to. We need to live for Jesus. That's where it is. All right, you ask and don't receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Yep, whoever therefore wants to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Far out. Everyone say far out. That's a thing. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Verse 6 is powerful. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the what? And gives grace to the what? The humble. And we saw in that scripture, you know, let Jesus be our example of humility. Do you know... I'm just going to chuck this can in. Like, When we don't bring our needs to the Lord, do you know it's kind of like pride? We go, oh God, I got this. I got this, Lord. I got this. God wants us to bring everything to him. If there's something that's going on, whether it's a need, whether it's a, you know, anything that's happening, I encourage you to bring it to the Lord in prayer doesn't matter how small it is. I saw this gardening method, right? I love growing vegetables. I love it. I think it's so good. And I saw this method on YouTube called Back to Eden Gardening Method. Has anyone heard of it? Where they cover the whole thing in wood chips, right? Well, I was at King's Home when I saw this, and I didn't know where we were going to get wood chips from. So I asked the Lord. I was like, God, I'd love like a massive pile of wood chips. It would be so good to be able to try this thing. Do you know a week later, a dump truck full of wood chips rocked up at King's Home? crazy and people go why would God answer a prayer about wood chips my question to you is why wouldn't he come on we need to get that attitude when we put a new um a new fireplace in our house and it was in you know the middle of winter and Paul was not excited he was like Murphy's law says the moment we pull those sheets of tin off it's gonna start raining (laughs) all right that's what he said And I said, who is Murphy? (laughs) Kingdom law says the moment we pull these sheets off, the rain stops. And I know it sounds a little bit presumptuous, but we could see the rain coming from the mountain. And Paul's like, here it goes. And I'm like, watch this, it's going to be good. And he saw the rain stop. It didn't keep coming until we put down that screw inside. And it was so impactful to him. 
That's called grace. So good. And on this kingdom living thing, there's part of it where we, we enter in by grace. You know, in communion, it was out of Romans 5, I think it was. Turn with me to Romans 5, and we're going to go somewhere around 1 to 2. I love Romans. It's another good book. Hallelujah. Because who knows that God has, God, God loves to pour out grace and he loves to pour out mercy. And there's lots of different definitions for them. I, I reckon we can get three definitions of grace. So, Dennis, what's the definition of grace? Henry, go. God's riches at Christ's expense. That was good. All right, who else? Bernie, we'll take you last. There's another one. All right. Unmerited favor. There's another one. If you look in your Strong's Concordance, it's the divine influence upon our heart and that outworking in our life. Amazing. Grace. God pouring in faith and it manifesting in your life. The grace of God. And then there's mercy. Who's got some definitions for mercy? I don't have any, but I know one really good one, and it was, mercy is what you get when you missed out on grace. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? It's like, because God wants us to live by his grace. Because, like, the power of God is his grace. It's something we didn't do to earn it. Freely you've received, freely give. It's the grace of God, Amen. And, but sometimes when we ought to be speaking to our situations, right? Talk to your mountain about God. Don't talk to God about your mountain, right? So we should be speaking to, to our mountain, but we become overwhelmed by it, you know? And that's when mercy steps in and you still see his goodness anyway. So good. And then when you feel that you've extended his mercy, you wake up again the next day and it's all new again. So good. But back to Romans, Hallelujah. So from verse 1 he says, Therefore, having been justified, everyone say justified. justified. Who believes they've been justified? Amen. Come on. This is huge. You're not entering the kingdom without it. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Hallelujah. How good is it to have peace with God? The great I am, the one who spoke everything into being, calms the seas for your regard or starts your rusty old boat engines and stuff. Like, like this is the God who it is. We have peace with him. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, through whom we have access by into his come on in which we glory and rejoice in hope of the glory of God God wants us to stand in his grace how do we enter it by faith because it says through whom meaning Jesus Christ we have access by faith into his grace. So it takes faith. 
It does take faith. When you're pulling sheets of tin off the roof and you've got the dude here that says Murphy is going to bring his rain, it takes faith to say, watch this. My God is awesome. Yeah. Just a little bit, just a little bit of faith. Just a mustard seed. Who's got a mustard seed of faith? Come on, everyone, because you wouldn't be here without it. So good. We need to encourage one another in this. Glory. Where are we going, Lord? See, in Romans 5, verse 17... This, this just screams the heart of God for me, I think. He says, For if by one man's offence death reigned through the one, meaning Adam, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The will of God for you is to not be overcome by the world. Isn't that good? Come hell or high water, man, we're singing hallelujah. Yeah? Glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so this, I don't know about to you guys, but this was huge to me. Like, the fact that what ties humility and the kingdom together. We don't enter in without it. But what did humility look like for Jesus? I just want you to just track with me now. Like, all the different things that are going on through your life. Good things, bad things. What would Jesus do in those situations? Sometimes he was asleep, wasn't it? The storm's going on and he was just, he wasn't speaking to it. He wasn't shuck-a-bubbing. He wasn't, like, calling for a prayer meeting. He was just asleep. And then other times, he stood up. Peace. Be still. So right now, just go through all the different things. Could be a health issue. Could be a, a family issue. Could be a, a community issue. What would Jesus do in these situations? What would he do? I remember when I was at King's Home, and, and I'd, I was... For the first couple of years, I was sort of a little bit upset. Maybe the first one year, I was a bit upset with how things were. I had this honeymoon vision in my head about what living in community was like. Anyone else had one of them? It's going to be glorious. Just like in Acts. They all had everything in common. You know, beautiful. And then you get into it and you're like, far out, this is something else. Right? And I remember one day I was... I, I just had a bee in my bonnet for ages. And, and I knew it was there, but I didn't know what was causing it. And, and we used to do the bread run. So I went for a drive, and I, I left a couple of hours early. And I went up Mount Wellington, and I just pulled over on a side somewhere. And I said, Lord, something's wrong with me, and I don't know what it is. And so I need you to help me, because I, I can't fix it if I don't know what's wrong with it. And, and he said to me, turn to Philippians 2. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't claim to be a prophet dude at all. I just, if I get a thought after I've asked God a question, I just go with it and see what happens. 
Okay, that's, that's my journey with hearing God. It's very spiritual. And I open to Philippians 2, and it says, Therefore, is there any consolation in Christ? If any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, and those last bit, that fellowship of the Spirit, jumped out at me. And then the Lord began to speak. He said, Chris, the reason you're walking around so pissed off is because you're not fellowshipping with me. You're doing a lot for me, but you're not doing it with me. He said, ask me how I see things. And then I, I just got this picture of him sitting in the car next to me and he put his hand on my chest and he said, I'm going to pray for your heart. And my chest just went on fire. It was amazing. You know. And from that point, that asking you know, the Lord, how does he see it? How does he see things? You'd have people on the community and they wouldn't pull their weight, you know, like, like it, was, it was hard, yakka. And, and everyone would be a little bit upset and stuff. But after this, I had peace. I'd just ask the Lord, God, how do you see this? And he'd say, I'm not concerned. Okay, I won't be either. That's our choice, right? Well, if you're not bothered, neither am I then. You know, and it would all work out. So, is there anything with any of us that we need to just ask the Lord? Lord, how do you see this? I remember when Adrian said that, um, when the Adrians announced that they were going to be, you know, fellowshipping somewhere else and God was moving them on, after my sudden shock, which we all had, um, you asked the Lord, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Right? Because we can blame many things. We can blame the enemy. We can blame whatever. Right? Everyone heard that funny joke about how many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? Like, and it goes through all the denominations. Has anyone seen that? The Pentecostal one is awesome. It's like seven, six to pray against the darkness and one to flick on the light. Like it, <laughs> it was so good. You know? But we do. We get carried away with so much stuff. And, and we can just ask the Lord, God, what would you have me do right now? What are, what are you up to? What, how do you see this, God? And he will give it to us. He will show us. Let's close there. So if I can just ask everyone to bow their head or close their eyes or whatever you do when you pray, I just want to pray for us. Lord, you are so good. And we cannot exhaust your goodness. Father, first off, I ask that, that you would forgive us if there is any ways, God, that we have, that we've thought that you were limited. If there was any area of our lives, God, where we haven't brought it to you, our needs, because we thought that they were too small, Lord, I ask that you would show them to us right now and I thank you for the grace to bring them before you. Father, I also ask for the grace that when we bring things before you, to leave them with you, to not take them back. And God, right now I ask that, that if there's any area in our lives where we're yet to, to seek your clarification, God, that you would you'd just reveal to us right now how you see it. 
What do you see? And God, I pray that, that you would also give us the grace to ask and to follow through with what would you have me do? And show me the fruit of my obedience, Lord. Because the prophets in the old, Lord, it says that they, they didn't see the fullness, but they did see it. They saw it. You showed them what it looked like, but they died in faith. They died waiting, but they knew what they were waiting for. And Lord, so much of, of how we walk sometimes can feel like it's just like braille, you know. We're just feeling our way around and we don't know. But Lord, your word says that you have given us the spirit of the Lord so that we can freely know the things of you. And so Lord, we come to you and we thank you, God, that you love disclosing it to your children. Because you don't call us slaves anymore. You call us your children because you share what you're doing. And so, Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing in each person here. Even now, Lord God, if there's an area of our heart that needs healing, Father, I pray that you would restore it. If there's an area of our faith that needs healing, God, I pray that you would restore it. And you would breathe upon that which you've placed within us. In Jesus' name, we give you glory. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah.